I'm Pastor David Dyer, and it is my distinct honor and pleasure to proclaim God's Word to you this morning. Will you please bow your heads? Gracious Father, we thank you for the past. It is good when we remember from where we have come so that we can truly know where we're at today and get a glimpse even of where we're going tomorrow. And so, Father, I pray your blessing upon our time in worship, honoring your name, but as your word is proclaimed, I pray that it would not fall on ground that is hardened, but on good soil that will nourish that word of God. Father, we ask that you would grow it into a solid, firm foundation of faith. And then, Father, that we would produce a crop, that we would be able to take this word to put it into action so that your name is ultimately honored and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think it's about time we had a little family chat. Does that motion and that voice kind of throw you back? Does that hearken you to maybe a mom or a dad? Just even for a moment, just we're going to have a family chat. Now, I don't know about you, that wasn't always the words I wanted to hear. We're going to have a family chat. If that happened before Christmas, I was worried, like Christmas wasn't going to happen, right? If it happened before summer, it was like, whoa, are we not taking a vacation? What's going on, right? Right before school starts, we're going to have a family chat. Oh, no, what is this going to be about? Well, I want to dispel that. You see, having a family chat here at Family of Christ, this is going to be a good thing. This is a time where we are going to look back, we're going to uh, analyze where we're at, and we're going to take a glimpse into the future. And how we're going, to, we're going to kind of organize this, we're going to look at it, is through a story of a family. A family. A boy who was picked to be king, who was the least of his brothers, and a son from, from a dad who had lots of sons, but a son who at a young age replaces his father. See, the story I'm talking about is David and Solomon. And for those of you who uh, have your Bibles with you today, we're not, we're not there yet, but if you want to pre-get ready, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 28. I said Corinthians, Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 28. We're going to be there in a little bit, but I want to help us remember. See, the building that you're in is, uh, well, it's still fairly brand new. You see, uh, years ago, over 25 years ago, a couple of families that lived in the monument area said, you know what, there's not a there's not a Lutheran church around. They prayed about that. That there needed to be a place where God's people could worship and the word was proclaimed and the sacraments were given. I mean, that was, that was part of that vision. And so they called a man named Martin Barlow in the district office. Martin Barlow was the mission exec and it was his job to plant new churches. This is about 25 years ago. Martin Barlow said, we, we have limited funds, but tell you what, we'll give you a three-year grant of $50,000 each year so that you can pay for a pastor. You've got to drum up a lot of support. We know that you've got to have between 100 and 200 members before we know that a mission plant will really take root. 
And so those families began to call. The story goes is over the months, they called 10,000 houses. Four people, two families, husband and wife, husband and wife. And they just called and said, hey, would you be interested in having a church up here in the north end of Colorado Springs, up here in Monument? And people always, well, what kind of church? They're like, well, you know, a godly church. And they said, no, 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 what denomination? And they're like, well, it's Lutheran. And they were like, well, yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> but by the grace of God, that church was planted. By the grace of God, the initial pastor was here for about a year, the second pastor about a year and a half as well. And what they did was incredible. They loved God's people. They loved on them. They prayed with them. And one thing that was consistent throughout all worship services in those early years was that they prayed, Lord, bring us the lost. Now, over the years, that prayer has changed. Lord, take us to the lost. May we be the hands and feet of Christ. May we be the kinds of people that reach out to our neighbors. And I am glad to say that many of you are here because of the hands and feet, because of the word that was proclaimed, because of the love that was shared, because of neighbors. Now, those first three years went by very quickly, and they were not yet financially on their feet, the early years of Family of Christ. And so the district agreed to two more years of assistance. And it was during those first five years that it was hit or miss. It was. Are we going to survive or are we not? As God would have it, there was another church about five miles south of here at Briargate, a Lutheran church, and uh, they ran into some uh, contention. And all of a sudden, Family of Christ got about 200 members. And it saved the day. You see, you don't know. You don't know what God's doing. I'm not saying He wanted people, right, to be in contention. He didn't want them fighting, but God has a plan. And we're part of that plan. About 10 years ago, or sorry, about 15 years ago, Michael Meisner was called. Michael had a great heart for people and God. Michael was great at getting into people's homes and sharing, but he also shared a vision. About that time, Mark Profont was in the area, and some of you know how that story and relationship, Mark was planting a, a Baptist church, and yet they needed a place to be, and that's kind of how that relationship started at Family of Christ. They, they thought, oh, great, what's this building? <laughs> Too bad it's a Lutheran church. Well, Pastor Meisner came on Saturday nights when they were having their worship and noticed Mark's abilities. Years down the road, when things kind of changed, we were in need of a worship leader, he asked Mark to come on board. And because Pastor Michael said, you know what, this church needs a modern worship service. This is the community in which we live, and if we're going to reach the people in this community, we can't just keep doing page 5 and 15 from the Red Hymnal. I'm talking three hymnals ago. There's always been vision. And there's always been a willingness to do whatever it takes to reach the lost. About 10 years ago, Pastor Michael left. He took a call, went to a mission plant church down in Texas. What he's gifted at is what he does well. And God's hand was moving him. Took his family down there and 
Family of Christ was vacant for about nine, ten months. There was a retired pastor who had just happened to be a member of the congregation. He filled in that gap, Pastor Chuck Huska. Pastor Huska was awesome. You should have seen him in his robes. Texan all the way through and through. His, his vestments were a rainbow at all times. didn't matter what season of the year it was. And during that vacancy, Pastor Huska led the call committee and the leadership of this church to say, this is who you need. You need somebody with vision, and you need somebody that's got experience with big churches because you're going to be a big church. And now, see, so you're stuck with me. <laughs> Pastor Huska's fault. What do we remember 10 years ago as I started out? And I remember... I remember taking the first two weeks to pray. I didn't show up in the office at all. I just said, God, what do you want for this place? And he made it abundantly clear. It's not that I needed to make this place anything. He said, just come along for the ride, David. I'm doing great things here. Just proclaim the word, love, get the congregation to love each other, spend time together, I'll take care of the rest. And he has. When I came, we were about, I don't know, 400, 500 members. We're now 1,300 members. 1,100 of you worship at least twice a month. I, I don't get that one, but <laughs> love to see you every week. We have faithful people here. And it's good to remember that what God has done is He has brought resources together and people, you, and families. And what He said is, is I'm going to gather these people here and I'm going to utilize you to bring my name, honor, and glory. And I know your, per your lives are not perfect. I'm not bringing you a perfect pastor. No, one that just loves God. One that loves God's people and one that can't wait to see what God is going to do next. Preparation for this week's sermon on remember. I was looking around the internet, different articles, and I kept thinking, God's blessing here at Family of Christ, and why does it seem to be so different for our church body at large? Anyway, so I was looking around for some articles, and I came across a, an article. It was 125 pages long, and I said, okay, I've got the afternoon. Let me go through this. This is from a, a national church body, a, a denomination out uh, uh, fairly large, and they were assessing the decline of their church body in membership over the years. And so they had sent out a call for this research paper, this research paper it come from their mission society, the, the group that's responsible for the mission, right, expanding the kingdom of God. And when they came up with the report, this was the, publish, this was the report published. And in that report, they had one, they had come down to one reason, and one reason only for the decline of the church. You see, they they determined that in the United States, the birth rate had dropped over the years. And they latched onto that and said, that's why our church has declined, because y'all aren't having 
enough babies. And I thought, no, no, I've misread this. I, I've hurried through it. I must have missed a point. No, no. Their number one conclusion was, y'all aren't having enough babies. Huh. So I went and read through it, saw the research. It looks okay. I mean, I see where they're getting to their point. And then down at the end, there was conclusions and action steps. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let me read them to you. This is good. Number one, our church body, they said, should teach families that the number one priority of God is to have families. Number two, that our churches should have intergenerational ministries so that kids who are taught through you know, Sunday school or those kinds of programs, that they see adults also studying the, the Bible. So that when they get older, they go, oh, well, you're not done. You keep studying the Bible. Okay. Number three, that you spend money for young families. You help them out so that it's not a financial burden to have more babies. Then there were three little suggestions to help the church grow. One, get churches to turn in their statistical reporting each year. No, no, I did the same thing. I'm not sure how it's supposed to help the church grow, but okay. Number two, have mentoring programs to teach pastors and staffs at our congregations that birthing babies is important. And number three, have longitudinal research projects to show why some churches grow and some churches don't. And my heart broke. Because this um, national church body is the LCMS, our church body. Nowhere in the document does it say, proclaim the gospel. Nowhere in the document does it say, love your neighbor. Nowhere in the suggestions was it even alluded to that it is by the power of God that the kingdom of God advances. So I've decided to um, write our district president and volunteer family of Christ to lead the way. So, now hold on. Wait till you hear what I'm going to do. Next week, there won't be any donuts. There's going to be mandrakes and raisin cakes. <laughs> For those of you familiar with your Old Testament, you know that that's what David handed out to the people so that they would be fruitful and multiply. 
I'm going to call the district and say, family of Christ is going to start birthing you some babies. Now, some of you are going, well, we're just past that part. We're not going to be able to contribute. No, no, I'm praying for miraculous conception. Yeah. Some of you are going, oh, Lord, we came today and of all days. Because I got to laugh because I got to tell you, this hacks me off. Ooh. There are people, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family and friends that don't need to just be told, have more babies. They need to be told, God loves you with an everlasting love. And I'll walk beside you through the junk in your life. Hold firm, hold fast to the faith. And God will either grow his church or it will forcefully advance because Scripture says it's been forcefully advancing since the time of John the Baptist and nothing will prevail against it. And so, family of Christ, we are going to lead the way. We are. We've been doing it. We're going to keep doing it. I don't know if we can make a change. I don't know if we can make an influence in the rest of the churches. There's a part of me that goes, let them die off. I don't know. My heart's broken with that right now. One thing I know is that family of Christ is going to keep doing what we've been doing, and we're going to do it even better, and we're going to do it louder, and we're going to do it with more fervency and more energy and more people brought in. And can, not because we want a big church, but because obviously if we seem to be one of the few churches that are proclaiming the gospel, then we have a big duty ahead of us and a huge responsibility. And now I need to ask you to partner with us. Because remember, this church was built by those that said we need to reach the lost. And we're going to do it by God's plan and in God's way and in God's time. You see, years ago, there were people that started this church that said, well, well, we'll be a mission plant church, but eventually we'll have some hymnals. It's 23 years later, we still have no hymnals. And there were people that said, eventually, okay, we get it, there's a gym and we're going to, we're going to start a school, we're going to have some pews. <laughs> we still have no pews. There's probably a lot of things that some of the early families said, I hope this is here, or we're going to do that or do this. But I want you to understand something. What's very clear in the minds of your staff, your pastor, your, the leadership, your lay leadership here, is that we are prepared to do whatever it takes so that there is at least one more person in the kingdom of God. And that means we are willing to let God lead. And it may not look like it may not sound like anything that we've ever dreamed of. You see, in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, David is at the end of his ministry. And in verse 2, he realizes he's at the end of his life. Now, you remember that King David was, right, kind of the scrawny one of the brothers. The brother's off to battle. He goes to battle, right? Goes to the front lines and says, why are you letting this Philistine mock the living God. And David goes out and kills the Philistine. And the Israelites rout the Philistine army, right? 
And then David becomes king later, and he rules righteously. And the kingdom of God, literally, the land expands by four times. The treasury fills up. There are more people worshiping at the temple. The nation of Israel is solid. It is foundation. It, is, it makes an impact in the nations around it. And at the end of David's life, he gets to the end, and he still hasn't done the one thing he had set in his heart to do, which was he wanted to build a permanent temple to God. And David, he, as I said, he, he gathers the wood, the stone, all of the materials. He puts money in the treasury. He sets it aside, and he says, God, I'm ready to build you a temple. And God goes, not you. But God, I mean, I got all this over here. You knew my heart. You knew I was going here. And he goes, it's not you. I have a different plan. It stings, doesn't it? When you're cruising along in a path, you may have even had some great results with it, and all of a sudden God goes, nope, over here. Jobs, work, family, neighbors, move a different home, different part of the country. You, you thought you were going this way, right? And, and now you're going this way. Spouse that's left, spouse that's died. You were sure God was doing this thing, and all of a sudden it, it, it seems like God's doing this thing. It stings a little bit. And there's probably sleepless nights and there's time on your knees where you're going, God, I, I don't get this, okay? But what I want to encourage us today is when we remember that God has been working every day since before time even began, that God has a plan, that God is working, He doesn't want to hurt you in this plan, but He will get His plan done. with or without you. He'd love to use you. And that's why we remember. I remember, right, people praying so that the land could be bought here and they come in with a bid, $159 over the asking price to get the 10 acres. I remember 10 years ago meeting with, with Mark going, okay, what's this thing going to look like? And he's like, Dyer, just get out of my way. Well, no, we actually work a lot closer than that, and it's been fun. I remember when we said, you know what, we can't keep the, the Constitution the same way, and we can't run our governance the same way. We've got to be a little more nimble and a little more free, and you as lay leaders said, yeah, let's get behind this and let's do this thing, and we remember because all along God has had a plan, and so I want you to understand that you're here today because God absolutely has a plan for family of Christ that includes you. And so David summons the entire nation. Verse 2. He rose to his feet and he said, Listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place for the ark of the Lord, for the footstool of our God. And I even made plans to build it. But God said to me, You are not to build a house for my name because you're a warrior and you have shed blood. 
You say, wait a minute, God, <laughs> that's how you made me. You gave me a warrior's heart. I was a great soldier. He goes, yeah, I know. But I set the rules, so I don't want a warrior to be the one that builds my temple. Your job's just to kick butt all around, bring in the gold, cedar, and all the other things. Thank you. You did your job. Now I'm going to have somebody else do some other things. It doesn't mean your job is done. I want you to understand this, that David clearly understands his job is not done. His job is simply to pass on, to pass along, and to help them remember. Verse 4, yet the Lord, the God of Israel, chose me from my whole family to be king over Israel forever. He chose Judah as a leader, and from the tribe of Judah, he chose my family. And from my father's sons, he was pleased to make me king over all Israel. Yeah, you ask any of my friends growing up, hey, who from amongst you in your class of 902 is going to be a pastor? I'll guarantee you there is not a classmate of mine that had my name on that list. You can ask my sisters. They're a year younger. They definitely did not have my name on that list. But when I was seven... I was playing outside, and I came in, and I told my mom that I might want to be a pastor. She never held that over my head. You know, you need to act better. You're going to be a pastor. <laughs> she never did. I never even knew that story until I had decided to go to the seminary when I was 26. So for nearly 20 years... My mom prayed, Lord, if it's your will, then make it so. Do you understand the background? Do you understand that I'm here not out of my choice? I'm here because this is part of God's plan. I'm here because this is where God would have me, and he wants to utilize my skills, my gifts, and my abilities to proclaim the word of God to you, to give you a nice kick of encouragement when needed so that we can do what we were placed on this earth to do, which is worship, praise, honor, and bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 5, all my sons, and the Lord has given me many, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne. You see, again, David probably could have picked the oldest or the one that he thought was most wise or the one that you know, he thought might do the best job, but God picked the successor. He said to me, Solomon, your son is the one who will build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Do you know how important it is to know those words, I'm your father, right? We look back at all the movies, the iconic movies, when it comes about, I am your father. No! It's usually the answer. But do you know through baptism, God goes, I'm your dad. You're my son, you're my daughter. And when you're picked, when you're named, then you know you have a role. You know you have a role to play in his kingdom. 
Verse 7, I will establish his kingdom forever if he is unswerving and carrying out my commands and laws as is being done at this time. So now I charge you in the sight of all Israel and the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance. We don't set up worship services based on what will please you. Sorry. We design worship services so that the lost will not be turned out. We don't water down our doctrine. We don't water down what we do in worship. In fact, we do it with excellence. And many of you come, you go like, man, it's at least a live church for crying out loud. I've been to churches that seem dead. Yeah, that's because in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, the average age of a congregation is 64 years old. And that's for 6,000 congregations. Our average age is 33. How many of you are over 33? You're old. <laughs> but you know what? We've gone through it. We've been through it. We've had some challenges. We're not done. God's not done with us right now. But what he says is, I've, I'm setting you up to hand this off as an inheritance. Now raise your hand or stand in your seat if you're under 33. This is your church. This is your church. And it's our job to hand it off as an inheritance to your children and your children's children and your children's children after that unto generation and generation and generation. And David sets this up because that is his calling, is to say, I did my job, I did the preparation, I did some teaching, I even had sons, and even though I was messed it up, God is choosing to bless. And you know why he does that? You know why he blesses us and you? is because he loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love, the kind of fatherly love that says, tell you what, I love my son. I love him, and I love you so much, I'm going to send my son to die in your spot. I'm going to forgive your sins. I'm going to raise you from your dead, dark, dank life. And I'm going to give you a new life. And I'm going to welcome you in. And we're going to have some chairs, and we're just going to sit together and put our arms around each other, and we're going to be family of Christ. Because in this place, we all share the same dad, dad who sent his son Jesus Christ to die, who loves us, and now wants to use you to share that love. We remember where we came from. May we never forget. Amen.